commit the rest of this time into your hands. Gracious Heavenly Father, you may be seated. Verses 129 through 136. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of thy words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I opened up wide my mouth and panted, for I long for your commandment. Turn to me and be gracious after thy manner with those who love thy name. Establish my footsteps in your word, so sin will not have power over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face to shine upon your servant and teach me thy statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they have forgotten your word. It's a great, thank you. It's a great, great section of Psalm 119, although probably if you've been here all week, you think that I think that about every one of them. And I do because they're just, they are so, um, so, so rich. And tonight, the Lord is going to talk to us about being marked. And, you know, there's a verse in that section, and I know you know what it is, and it's really marked my life in a, in a lot of ways. For 10 years, as we've talked about some this week, you know, I've been serving in a ministry that's named after that verse. It's verse 133, establish my footsteps in your word. And, you know, I got so many t-shirts with the those words on on it. And I know last night we gave you a cup. I've got a bunch of cups that have the words established footsteps on them. Um, those words are actually on my business card and they're on my voicemail greeting. Uh, they're all over my social media. Um, Established footsteps, those words have really become a part of my family, my finances, all of my relationships. Uh, the offices of established footsteps are in my house. And, um, you know, it's just a part of who I am anymore. So I would say that those two words from the Lord uh, really have, have marked my life in a big way. But I want you to know, and we're going to talk some about this tonight, and I'm going to share some about my markings. And I, I know the Lord's going to have you consider some of the ways he's marked you and that even that he wants to mark all of us even more. But this marking of the words established footsteps really goes a lot deeper than what you can see on cups and T-shirts and business cards and those kinds of things. And the markings that God wants to talk to us about for your life and for my life tonight are really markings on the inside of who we are. And then those things begin to show themselves on the outside of who we are. See, the words established footsteps really marked me for a long time on the inside before anybody really ever knew about it. Before there was a logo or before we thought about putting pink and black together or anything like that to get people in the word. You know, God can use anything, right? He can use colors that people put together, whatever he does. But, you know, God wants to talk to us about those markings on the inside. Because I can tell you, I wrestled with those words, established footsteps, for about 11 years before we ever began this ministry. I celebrated with God over them too. I prayed over them a lot. 
They invaded my thoughts and my emotions and my decisions and, and my time. And they've genuinely marked me with this strong commitment on the inside of me that I really want to be a woman who has her footsteps established in the truth. It starts on the inside of us first. And then it works its way to the outside. And this week, ladies, God has been asking us this question. Are you really a woman whose footsteps are established in the truth? And he's been helping us to answer that question by giving us some words. We've got him on our shirts. We've been talking about him. The first night we talked about that kind of woman, she's bold with the truth. And then last night we talked about how she's filled with the truth. And tonight he's going to talk to us about the fact that she is marked with the truth. Now sometimes people are really intentional about what marks their life. You can see it very clearly. I met a woman one time uh, at a conference that I was speaking at, and her name was Grandma Purple. <laughs> and uh, she, was, she was there at this conference. You know, I don't even know what her real name was because everybody just called her Grandma Purple. And I want to help you get a little bit of a glimpse into what she was like. Grandma Purple wore purple every day. And I'm not just talking about maybe her shirt was purple. I mean, like head to toe, purple. She was in purple. Her car was actually purple. I saw it, okay. I didn't see her house, but they told me that her house was purple too. Her purse was purple. And even at this church, she taught a, a little uh, kid Sunday school class, and they actually painted the walls purple. So I was really intrigued, you know, by all the purple. And so I asked her about it, and this is what she told me. She said, I grew up very poor. And my mama always told me, girl, never forget who you are. You are God's child, and you are royalty in his eyes. And she looked me square in the face, and she said, royal people wear purple, and that's who I am. You can't argue with that, can you? She knew who she was. She was marked for sure. Many people have marks on their life. Just a, a mark is just something that identifies us. It might be something that happened to us that really marks our life. Maybe it's something that we're very intentional about portraying, like Grandma Purple was with purple and royalty. Or maybe it becomes a mark just kind of that develops over time. Like, for instance, maybe, maybe you love coach purses. I don't know. Does anybody in here really like coach purses? And, and so before long, you know, after a few years, you got one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and, and then your sunglasses are coach, and your shoes are coach, and your umbrella, and your suitcase, and all these things. And people begin to associate you with that brand mark. They see that, and then you've always got it on, and so you're associated with that brand mark of coach. Or maybe, maybe you're one of those essential oil girls. Like you've got those little bottles everywhere. And maybe you wear one of those diffuser things. I don't really know what those are, but I'm told that people wear them around their necks. And every time somebody gives you a hug, they're like, hmm, you smell good. You smell like, and you say frankincense or peppermint, you know. You're marked. You are marked. You're an essential oil girl. And that, that's great. I don't understand all of that necessarily, but I really think it's great. And sometimes people put some of that peppermint on my head when I have a headache, and I think it kind of works. So Go. Essential oils, that's great. So, or maybe it's a color. Maybe it's a color. I like pink. A lot of people know that about me. Or maybe it's a sports team or, or a preference that you have that marks you. It's not always something tangible even that marks us. Sometimes it might be like joy. 
we have a lady in our neighborhood, and she's this bright blonde lady, and her name is actually Joy, but she really does bear that countenance. She's just a fun, loving woman. But sometimes people are marked by something very opposite of that, just this negativity. I mean, every time you see them, their shoulders are slouched, and there's always complaining in their mouth, and they're just kind of, you know, about everything, and they're marked in that way. I'm sure as we've talked through some of these things, you're getting the idea of, of what I'm talking about. And maybe you're even thinking in your mind, hmm, what marks me? What do people think about when they think of me? What do I think of when I think of me? Or what does God think of when he thinks of me? I told you a few minutes ago about how the words established footsteps really mark my life now and, and how that started on the inside and then now has worked its way to the outside. But I want you to know, it was not always that way, not at all. For, for a long time, uh, depression marked me. Infertility marked me. Confusion and anxiety and worldliness and insecurity marked me. Those were bold markings on my life. But in God's mercy, he directed my steps to intersect with two women who really bore a different kind of mark in their life. Their names were Nan Schusler and Sis Blanchard. And it seemed like the mark of Christ was just on about everything that they did. And the more that I did life alongside these two women, they encouraged me to get my feet established in the truth, the more I began to choose to bear different kinds of marks on my life and to be marked by Jesus. And ladies, tonight, God wants us to know that he longs to see us marked up with the magnified greatness and glory of Christ in our lives. And when we will establish our footsteps in the truth of his world, of his word, the world's markings can really be changed in who we are. We can begin to be marked in a very different way with the brand marks of Christ. Over the years, I have met some really amazing people that have chosen to bear the brand marks of Jesus on their life. Many of them are sitting in this room tonight, and I'm so privileged to get to do life around people that are choosing to be marked and identified in Christ. I told you about Grandma Purple. I mean, I was just so intrigued with that woman. And, and you know, she started her life out marked as this poor, overlooked child, but the mark of Christ and the fact that she is his child changed all of that for her. It changed how she looked at herself, changed how she related to the world, and over time it has changed how the world relates to her. I also want to tell you about this couple that I met one time named Chris and Rachel Embler. I actually met them when they joined in on one of our Bible memorization projects when we were just getting started back in 2007. Now we've got a lot of different Bible memorization projects on our website. If, if seeing some of these videos this week has intrigued you about memorizing scripture, and that's a discipline that maybe you'd like to work in your life, we've got all kinds of, of memorization projects that you can just access easily on our website. I'd love for you to do that. But they, they joined in on the first one we ever did where we were memorizing Romans 12 together. And I met them because my aunt and uncle actually met them in a pizza parlor because they saw them sitting there with these backpacks sitting beside their table. And their backpacks were marked with some words that said, our walk of faith. And so my aunt and uncle went over and 
you know, inter- they're Christians, and they went over and introduced themselves, and they wanted to get to know them. And so Chris and Rachel started telling them their story, and it's a long story. I'm not going to go into the whole thing tonight. But long story short, Chris and Rachel were so marked in faith with Jesus Christ that at his prompting, they literally sold everything that they had, and they walked from North Carolina to Peru, South America. Now, yes, it did include some boat adventures along the way, but here's a picture of them. You can see them. That's literally when they're setting out on their walk. That's all they had. They didn't take any money with them. God took care of them and provided for them for 18 months. And their goal in doing that was to share Jesus with as many people along the way as they possibly could. And I'm telling you, their story is fascinating. And God intersected our lives and used us in their life during that time because they would stop in libraries and different things and use the Internet and connect with the body of Christ by connecting into that Bible memorization project. But to this day, whenever I think of Chris and Rachel Embler, I automatically think of the words faith, obedience, sacrifice, you know. I mean, zeal for Christ, for people to know him. Rachel's actually going to quote our next section from Psalm 119. Let's listen to her. Verses 137 through 144. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet... Your commands are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Yeah, I love that song. Verse 139 that Rachel just quoted says, My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten thy law. You know, David is marked with a zeal for the word of God. And so when someone is forgetting it, It really bothers him. You see that all over Psalm 119. If you've been reading through it, you pick up on that. He doesn't like it when people are forgetting the law of God or mocking it. David talks about the trouble it creates when people do that. Now, David wrote that a long, long time before the Apostle Paul ever lived on the earth. But I want you to hold your finger if you've been in Psalm 119 and go over to Galatians chapter 6. All the way to the end of the book of Galatians. We're going to look at the second uh, to the last verse there. Galatians 6. You know, in our minds now, Paul is marked as as a man with amazing faith, you know. But we should remember that at one point, Paul was marked by arrogance. He was a person that David would have been talking about if they had lived in the same time frame. He was an arrogant religious leader who had forgotten the words of the Lord. And see, that happens. Just because somebody bears the title of of some kind of office in the church or in a religious organization does not necessarily mean that they are working for the Lord. You know, if we forget the words of God, we're not working for God. We're working for ourselves. And that's what happened to Paul. He grew up 
learning the words of the Lord, the prophecies of the Lord, but he forgot them. And when Jesus was right in his midst, he didn't even know that he was there. And so he became marked all right. He became marked as a troublemaker and a persecutor of people who believed in Christ. And yet we all know probably the story in Acts chapter 9 where all of that changes because he comes face to face with Christ. And, and Christ introduces himself in a way that, that Paul can see for sure, hey, he really is the Christ. And he begins to walk with Jesus and give his life to Jesus. And all kinds of things change. Paul becomes marked in a totally different way. See, Jesus really can change people's lives. It's not something that we just talk about. It really actually happens. Look at what he writes in verse 17. He says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. This year, I've been meditating on this verse a lot. And the Lord has had me pondering some of the changes, some of the markings that he has changed in my life. What I used to be like and who I am now. And marks of Christ that I have chosen to bear in my life since I started really walking in the truth. I want us to talk about this word brand mark so we really understand what, 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 what we, God is trying to say here tonight with this word uh, marked. The Greek word for brand mark that Paul uses here is actually the word stigma. It's where we get our English word stigma from. And stigma just simply means an identifying mark or a characteristic. But in Bible times, this, this word actually goes a step further because it really meant a mark that was literally branded upon the body. See, slaves or soldiers would literally brand the name or the stamp of their master onto their skin, onto their body somewhere to indicate who they belong to. In, in our way of thinking, it would be kind of like a tattoo. Now, Paul wrote this at the end of Galatians after he had spent the entire book talking about what it means to be in Christ. So it's like he's saying, that's who I am. I belong to him. I've chosen to bear him on my being. I bear his marks on me. And we can understand this even more if we look at the word trouble here in this verse. Because the word, uh, the word trouble actually means to cause agitation, which is what it means in our English language, but it also means to make, to work for. And I believe Paul's statement here really means both things. See, there were a lot of troublemakers in the book of Galatians. You can read through. And they were undermining Paul's worth and his value. And as Paul gets to the end of the book, it's like he's saying, no more. I know who I am. I know where my value comes from. I know who has his mark on me. I have worth and value in Christ. No more trouble for me. But he's also saying this. He's saying, my life is joined to Jesus. What marks him, it now marks me because I live and I work for him. I don't work or live or exist for anyone else. Now, did Paul actually put the name Jesus on his body? We don't know. And let's not get all caught up in that. I know there's different thoughts and feelings about that. But we definitely know this. We know that Paul's commitment and his devotion to Jesus came from a deep place within him. Because it totally changed who he was as a person. 
Whether or not he had the name Jesus on his skin really doesn't matter because he had the character of Christ on his life. And that's what mattered. Anyone can put on a t-shirt that says Jesus. Anyone can have the words Jesus tattooed somewhere on their body. But a real mark of Christ takes place on the inside of us. And then it works its way out here. See, for 10 years before God ever called me to, you know, have ministry called Established Footsteps, he was doing a work on the inside of me. He was making that mark and that distinction on the inside of me because he really wanted me to be a woman whose footsteps are established in truth. So Paul is very clear. He makes no bones about it. He is bearing the stigma, the brand marks of Jesus. And let's make note of this too. When you bear something, it's a choice. It's not like God's coming down from heaven and stamping his children. His children are saying, I see the beauty of Christ, and I'm choosing to bear his brand marks for me. You bear the blessing, and you bear the weight of that as well. And that's such a change for Paul. The very thing he used to fight against now marks his very identity and existence. You know, a person whose footsteps are really established in the truth and God's word will be marked by the living word, Jesus himself, because the word is powerful. It's so powerful. We talked about how powerful it is when God speaks in our life. We talked about that last night. It will do things on the inside of you that definitely will begin to show on the outside. All over Psalm 119, David described the power of God's word, what it's able to do, able to keep us from sin and satisfy us more than any riches in this world ever could. Able to counsel us in the nighttime when nobody else is awake. His word can speak to us. Able to strengthen us. We talked on Monday night about how it's able to enlarge our hearts and make our hearts bigger. How it revives us. How it heals our shame. Comforts us. Guides us. Teaches us. Saves us. Makes us wise. This is all just from one chapter. It gives us understanding. It restrains our feet. It sustains us, it lights us up, it brings us joy, and more. That's not even the whole list. If I am solidly walking with my footsteps established in the word of God, I will not be able to keep myself from choosing for his brand marks to be on my life. So what are the brand marks of Jesus? What are they? Well, I think that they start with grace, with salvation, and with redemption. This week, we, we've talked a lot about Eve and the choice that, that Eve made. You know, no doubt about it, our memory of Eve is marked by that choice that she made. I mean, all these years later, all you got to do is say Eve, and what do you think about? You think about the choice that she made. I'm glad that God didn't call me to be Eve, you know. I don't want to bear the weight because I, I would have made the same choice. I'm sure it probably wouldn't even have taken that long in the conversation with Satan. You know, I feel bad for Eve because a lot of times, you know, people, moms will talk about, you know, the mother guilt we have sometimes. You know, are we ruining our kids' lives? Eve really did ruin all of her children's lives, all of them. She did. She did. And I, I'm glad I don't have to be here, you know. But did you know that in that very same chapter, 
where sin entered the world through her choice. Do you know that right there in that same chapter, in verse 3.15, Genesis 3.15, God starts talking about Jesus. Now, we're not going to look at that tonight. It's a message for another day. But what he says there is a prophetic word about how Jesus would one day come and deal with what had just happened, how he was going to crush the head of Satan and do away with death and bring his children salvation. And we know that Jesus did that, right? He did crush death, and he gave all of us the opportunity to be marked as a child of God if we will choose that. That's grace. That's salvation. That's where the markings of Christ begin in our life. It's at the core of who Jesus is. Now, in that moment, when his spirit saves us and comes to life in us, it all happens where? On the inside of us. Others may not know it yet. You know, if you don't know Jesus tonight, you could decide to follow him. And this amazing thing would take place on the inside of you. We, we saw that happen for a couple of girls last night, praise the Lord. Now, when they go home or when they went home last night or if that happens for you tonight, the people around you might not know it, but you know it. And God knows it. And if you'll keep walking in the truth of God's word day after day, opening up your life to the spirit to fill you with that living water, his spirit and his truth, before long, other people are going to begin to know it. Because what really happens in that process is you're choosing to bear the brand marks of Christ. I mean, you think about Paul, what happened to him. He was persecuting Christians. And then he became a Christ follower. And he certainly knew that something had changed. And God knew it. But everybody else was like, they were afraid of him. <laughs> they were like, you, you killed my friend. They didn't want anything to do with him. But through the process of him walking out what God was doing on the inside of him, over time he became marked more and more and more with who Christ was. And now... We don't even really think about him being that person. We think about him being this amazing leader in the church. That's what really marks him. So the first mark is always salvation because, yes, that's where it starts, but it's never designed to stop there. No, it's not. In Galatians 6.17, if you look at that verse where Paul says, he says, I bear on my body the brand marks. It's plural. There's many of them that we can take upon our life. See, God's design is that he save us, then he sets us free, he sets our feet walking on paths of truth, living the living word, Jesus Christ. And when you do walk with your footsteps established in the truth, the marks of Jesus will begin to show up in your life. They just will. But here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes people intentionally choose salvation. They choose to be marked with Christ as a child of God. And then they just keep walking in the world. And the world marks them more. They never intentionally take on more of the brand marks of Jesus. But God has a better way for us. I want us to talk for a few minutes uh, about the brand marks of the world. What are they? And then we're going to go back to the brand marks of Jesus. You know, according to 1 John, the Bible defines the marks of the world as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Actually, the Greek word for sin in the New Testament, you've probably heard this before, that word literally means to miss the mark. And see, when we don't choose 
to intentionally walk in truth and take these brand marks upon ourselves, but we're just walking in the ways of the world, what we do is we miss the marks of Christ that could be upon our life. You think about Fotini. We talked about her last night, the woman at the well from John chapter 4. Many believe that she came to the well in the middle of the day all by herself when it was so hot because she was marked. She was marked by shame. So she didn't want to be with everybody else. Now, from the conversation that she had with Jesus, I think she had a heart to know God. But she just not really ever encountered the truth yet. I mean, look at who she became as we looked into her story last night. When we're not walking in truth, it's so easy for us to walk right into the lust of the flesh, just like Fotini did. It might not be five husbands or an affair, but whatever we choose to walk in that looks so good right in that moment can often be that lie that literally is the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh so often leaves us marked, but it leaves us marked with shame. You know, that affair that looks so good to our empty heart now marks us as an adulteress. And we feel shamed by that. Our lust for things like food or spending or control marks us with, with, um, with being overweight or, or being in debt or anger issues that people see in us. That abortion that maybe seemed like the best thing to do in the moment now marks us with a grief that we just can hardly even stand under. See, we don't see the shame in the moment where things are happening. All we see is one little step that's going to satisfy what we feel like or satisfy that desire in the moment. But what happens is these steps build one on top of another. And before long, we've walked into this trap of the enemy and we've got these ugly marks of shame on us. And here's the thing about shame. It's such a trap because it starts associated with a certain thing that we've done. But the longer that we feel that way, it becomes who we are. And we begin to see ourselves in that way. And we begin to think everybody else sees ourselves in that way. And we begin to think that God sees us that way. And then we're caught in this web of deceit and shame, all because of these little steps. That we wouldn't walk in the truth, we were walking in the lust of our flesh. But you know what? Jesus can change all of that, all of those marks, even the marks of the deepest shame can be changed in Christ. I want you to listen to this next section in just a moment of, of Psalm 119. The woman reciting it has a special place in my heart. When Marvin and I were first married, he was a youth pastor down in Georgia. And uh, this, this young woman, Lydia, and her sister were both uh, young girls in, in our youth group. Now, like many young women, Lydia made some really poor choices that brought about a lot of, a lot of shame uh, in her life. But it's so beautiful to me now to be able to see her heart for the Lord and the truth that she walks in now. Her marks of shame have really been changed by Jesus. And she has taken on so many of his brand marks. Listen as, as Lydia quotes this. Verses 145 through 152. I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me. 
and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. You know, Lydia, it said there, of old I have known of your testimonies that you have founded them forever. You know, as a little girl, she did hear the testimonies of the Lord. She came to Sunday school and she heard the Bible story. She even as a young little girl said, I want to be a child of God. And she accepted Jesus. God's spirit marked her on the inside. But until her heart saw how good it is to walk in the truth, Lydia was marked more by the world. And as a result, there was shame. But praise God, all of that has been changed in Jesus. When I was talking to her recently, asking her if she would memorize, she said this as we talked through this. And I, I asked her if I could share some of her story. And she told me, she said, I wouldn't wish the consequences of my sin on anyone. However, the Lord has given me beauty for my ashes. I had no idea then that my life would turn for the better once I put Jesus first. I stand in awe of him, she said. And it's so beautiful to me to see her now. I don't get to see her often because she lives in Georgia, but we keep in touch through social media and these things. She's done some of our Bible studies, but she has such a desire to know the Word of God. And she really does live out the, the passage that she quoted. I mean, she gets up early in the morning to seek the face of the Lord, like that, that section said. And she stays up late at night to do that. She really wants to know the Word of God, and God is marking her life up with beautiful things instead of the shame. If we could see the shame and what it does in our life and what some of the choices of the lust of our flesh would do, we wouldn't walk that way. But see, that's what deceit does. That's what the lust of the flesh does. It deceives us. That's why we have to be in the Word of God. Because the Word of God will light up our path and show us what is the way of truth for us to walk in. What's going to bring these good things? See, the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life really, really can trick us. You think back to Paul. He was climbing up the ranks, wasn't he? Climbing the ranks of religious leadership. Now, that might not mean so much in our culture today, but back then it meant a whole lot. It would be like, say, in our culture today, becoming a doctor or a lawyer. You know, this esteemed position. And it, it would mean that you would probably have a wealthy lifestyle and that you would have a lot of respect. And he went to the best schools, he tells us in Philippians, to learn of these things. And so he had all these markings of worldly success on him. Now, there's nothing wrong with a desire to get a good education or to do things well or achieve great things. In fact, there's a whole lot right about doing that. But if our desire for success in this world to be marked uh, by success here is not motivated by a calling of Christ in our life or the truth that he has called us to walk in, it's just empty stuff. It's unstable. It's not going to last. It's a deceit, and it will not bring about what we think it will. One of the passages in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 96, David says, I've seen a limit to all perfection. 
Your commandments are exceedingly broad. David had access to all these worldly successes of the world. And yet he says, I've seen a limit to it. It only can do so much. It's not going to give you what you think it can. But then what does he say about God's word? He says it's exceedingly broad. In other words, there's no end to the riches you're going to find in putting that first into your life. See, all too often, ladies, we look at the world and we think it's going to mark us and make us perfect. If I could achieve this, if I could have that, if I could own this, if I could live in this. But that's not the truth. There's a limit to that perfection. And all too often those efforts and those pursuits come from a place of emptiness inside of us. Like we talked about last night. We're empty, so we try to mark ourselves in ways to make everybody think that we're not empty, right? Let me just mark myself up and, and get everybody to think that I, I've done something really well or that I own all this stuff or, or I look like this or, or I live in this or I drive this or I wear this. But there's a limit to all of that. And a lot of times those things will shift. It might take years. And so, again, it can be very deceiving. And then you're left with things that are empty and you're empty. We need to learn how to pray like verse 37 in Psalm 119 says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. In other words, worthless things and revive me in your word. Because all of us, all of us, not just Fotini, not just somebody that you know that's made really bad choices, all of us can walk right into it. And sometimes we're so deceived because we don't see what the world does in that way. We're just, materialism in this culture is such, such a way of life for us that we almost think it's Christian, you know, I think sometimes. And we don't see how it, it, it really just lures us into this deceit. My husband's getting ready to go to Haiti. Next Tuesday our team leaves, and I think Abby is here She's the lone girl. You guys pray for her. Yeah. This is a hard trip. They're actually building a school in one of the communities where we built a bridge in February. But they leave on, on um, Tuesday, next Tuesday. And every time he goes, when he gets home, it helps me to get right again as far as, uh, you know, just looking at things of vanity just getting my eyes caught up in all this stuff that I think is a mark of success, and it's really not. We've got to allow and put the things of this world underneath the authority of what God's Word says. And that's not a binding thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing because it sets us free to live in the way we were created for. He begins by marking us with grace and salvation, but it's not supposed to stop there and be put on hold for heaven while we jump from one worldly path to the next, marking ourselves up with these empty marks that really don't mean anything for eternity. No, after we receive salvation, we should be intentionally distinguishing ourselves with the marks of Jesus, marking ourselves up with him. When we establish our steps in his word, that's what begins to happen. And it's beautiful. And it will direct how we relate to this world. 
I want you to listen to the next section, too, of Psalm 119. You're going to hear Shani Miller. Some of you know her. Uh, she's going to be quoting it. Yep. She is the director of our Living Light Mission. Some of the girls that you saw last night who quoted one of the sections, Shani is the director of that. But Shani is also in the Air Force Reserves, and she's serving right now in the Middle East. She's been there uh, since about the middle of spring. And this section she's going to be quoting actually starts off with a cry for a rescue in her life. Now, like Lydia, Shani also came to know the Lord at a very young age. But in college and her early adult days, she walked right into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. But there came a day when she saw herself for who she was. She saw how empty all of that was, and she cried out literally for a rescue. And the Lord is so faithful. He rescued her, and he revived her just like this passage says. Listen to her as she quotes. Verses 153 through 160. Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. I love that part. I love that part. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. See, this means when you add up everything here in this word of God, it's the truth, the sum. That means when you add it, you get a sum. It's the truth, and it's everlasting. It's not going to fade away. It's not going to turn up empty one day. David came to know that, and Shani knows that now. God has changed all the marks on her life. She loves his word, and she has such a heart of evangelism in her for people to know the gospel, especially people in the Middle East. That's why she's there. She didn't have to go. She actually chose to go on this deployment because her heart is so marked by the compassion of Christ. Her heart is so marked with the gospel of Christ. She wants people to know him. You know what? In the role that she has over there right now, she interacts a lot with the Middle Eastern soldiers. And you know what? They've given her a nickname. They all call her Sunshine. You know why? Because the light is just spilling out of her life. She's marked in that way. That's how they recognize her. Her life is literally marked with a desire for truth to reign. So, ladies, it doesn't matter how much marking of shame we have on us, how much marking of the world we have on us. Listen to these testimonies that the Lord has commanded of, in people's lives. That Psalm 119 tells us with exceeding faithfulness, he commands his testimonies. He's gone after all of these people and rescued them. And he can change the markings on us from shame to beautiful things of Christ. So what are some of the brand marks 
of Jesus? Well, there's a lot <laughs> of brand marks of Jesus. We talked about the first ones, grace, salvation, the beginning of redemption that happens. But it would take years to describe all of the brand marks of Jesus. And I promise you, we're not going to stay here that long tonight, okay? Um, but I'm going to talk to you about some of them. Some of them that I have personally chosen to take on in my life. You know, when you're talking about the brand marks of Jesus, you're talking about the character and the personhood and, and the emotion and the thought and the behavior and the motives of Christ. I mean, all that Christ is, we're talking about taking that on in us. It's crazy to think that anything of Jesus could, could identify me. But that's the beauty of the gospel, that he changes people in that way. And I love, I love looking at this idea of the brand marks of Jesus alongside Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119 is all about being a person who finds extreme treasure in the word of God, right? And Jesus is what? He's the living word. His life actually speaks what God says. So if I want to identify with Jesus... The way I will do that is I'll find out who he is by what he says. Just like Psalm 119 says, I'll observe and meditate and think on and walk in and cling to all these things that we're told to do with the word of God. And then our eyes get clear, our minds get washed, and we realize how good it is for us to take on the brand marks of Jesus, even the ones that are hard, because there are some brand marks of Jesus that are very weighty to carry in our life. They don't match up with the world. They very much distinguish us from the culture of this day, but they're still so good. And when you're in the Word of God, your eyes will get washed. He'll clear up your eyes to be able to see how good they actually are. So I'm going to share with you just a handful of some of the ones that I have intentionally chosen to mark on my life. The first one would be forgiveness. God has spoken volumes to me and to you, it's all over his word, about forgiveness. So I have chosen to mark my feet as somebody who's going to forgive. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. It's a non-negotiable in my life, and here's why. Jesus is a forgiver. He, of all people, had, had opportunity and the right to hold a grudge. And yet on the cross, he says what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then I look in his word, and I see that he says, forgive 70 times 7. That means with unending. You know, do it as, as much as, as life requires it of you. I see in Hebrews where it says, let no root of bitterness take root in you and defile many. I see in Romans, when we memorized it, this, this worked specifically in Romans when we were memorizing all those years ago. This one, man, I had a really hard time memorizing it. I had a real battle. I had to do uh, something. I had to get a relationship right because this word said, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. See, the word of God talks about forgiveness a lot. It's a clear message in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, they hadn't come face to face with the gospel yet. So reading through Psalm 119, you're going to see some unforgiveness in David's heart. But he hadn't met Jesus really face to face. And so I think we can understand that. But we don't have that dynamic. We have seen Jesus. And we can see him clearly. It's a clear message all over the New Testament. And you know what? When I walk in forgiveness, I have found it's good for me. It's good for others. It's good for the kingdom of God. So I have chosen 
It's a choice to mark my life as one who forgives. And it's in permanent ink. It's a non-negotiable. That means no matter what happens to me in the future, there's not like some clauses, well, yeah, but if this happens, I would never forgive. No. I'm going to be, this has become mine. I observe this precept that I see in the word of God. I am a person who forgives. Now, is that easy? Absolutely not. It costs a lot. It's heavy to bear that mark of Jesus sometimes. But, oh, it's so freeing. It's so good for my heart. And you know what? No matter what, I pray like David in Psalm 119, incline my heart to perform thy statutes forever. For as long as I'm going to be on this earth, incline my heart to perform that forgiveness. Because in and of myself, I can't do that. I determine that that's the way I'm going to walk. It's a mark of Jesus that I've decided I'm going to mark up my life with. Here's another one. Praise on my lips. Now, I know that this looks kind of funny. It was really funny when I was asking my son to actually mark that on, on my mouth. We were kind of laughing about that. But listen to this scripture that I read several years ago in Psalm 33:1. It says, sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. The day that I read that was a day that I decided my mouth is going to be marked with praise. See, I was in the Word, and God was speaking to me about how beautiful it is when people use praise from their lips, use their words for praise. And he kind of just got in my head and was talking to me with some thoughts, through some thoughts of considering how much time I spend every day getting a shower, picking out my clothes, putting on some makeup, putting on some jewelry, all these things that we do as women to try to, you know, look presentable, unless it's 6 a.m. in the morning on Friday when we're having Fridays at the Fountains prayer time. It's like, who cares, you know? So, and we'd love for you to join us at that. If you've seen that on social media, the girls will tell you a little bit more about it later. But for the most part, you know, when we're going to go out somewhere, we, we spend all this time doing that. The Lord was like, Sharon, this is the best beauty tip ever. Put some praise in your mouth. It's becoming, it's so becoming for us to have praise. And I decided that day I am going to be a woman whose mouth is marked with praise. I'm going to speak of what God has done. I'm going to speak of what he's doing. I'm going to speak of what his word promises me he's going to do even when it hasn't happened yet. I absolutely love that song that we sang earlier tonight. Your praise will ever be on my lips because that is a specific mark that I have said this is non-negotiable. My mouth was created for praise from God. You know, there's a line that people, a lot of times Christians quote a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard it. You might say it. You might really like it. But it says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, most people think that, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi wrote that. Actually, there's been a lot of research and they really can't find that he actually did. They don't really know who, who said it. A lot of times Christians will even quote that as if it's in the Bible. It's absolutely not in the Bible. And from my perspective, it is horrible theology. Because why in the world would I take my main form of communication and choose to not use that to proclaim the goodness of the one who is most important to me? Now, I know what it's trying to say. It's trying to say, hey, your actions should speak just as loud as your words. You shouldn't be somebody all puffed up with your words. But a lot of times, I think over the years, it's been used so much for people to say, I don't really have to say anything. I'll just be nice and people will know that I'm a Jesus follower. No, they won't. 
They won't. You need to use your mouth. And I can't decide that for you. And I know that many of you speak way, way more praise of Jesus than I do. But I'm just sharing with you from my heart, this is one that I have seen. When Jesus was on the earth, he was always speaking the praise of his Father, using his mouth for it. It's right. It's becoming. It's beautiful for us to do that. I should hear me speaking praise. It does good for my soul when I say things out loud with my mouth about how good God is. It's so good for my mouth to say things of praise instead of a bunch of negative stuff. And because this mark is on my life, a lot of times I choose that I'm going to speak praise when in my flesh I'd rather just be spouting out a bunch of complaining and doubting and, and all of that garbage, okay? Psalm 119, 164 says, this, uh, seven times a day, I think is what it says, I praise thee. You know, seven is the number uh, of completion in the Bible. So it's this idea that it should just be on our lips all the time, at any moment when given the opportunity. Here's another one, peace. Psalm 119, 165 says, those who love thy law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing. I am so, so thankful. For the peace that God has developed in my heart since I've been walking in the truth. Because I used to be a girl who was always anxious, always worried, fearful about this, worrying about that. But now I've chosen to mark my life with the peace of Christ. It's a choice. And I have to make it every day. Because there are days when it feels like hell is trying to erase this mark off of my heart. And so I have to go back in with the marker and write it again. Because his word tells us that we really can live in peace. We really can know the rest of God. My heart is so burdened now that I've experienced the peace of God for people who just dwell under anxiety and fear and worry. I'm so burdened because that's who I used to be. And I know that Christ can mark us in a different way. I've come to know that peace really is a reality that I can live in every day. And I have to choose it. I have to choose it. What does it say, those who love thy law? A lot of times that anxiety is starting to rev up in me, and I get in the word of God. I start saying forth the promises of God. I love the word of God. I let it speak. I open up my life like we talked about last night. So he ministers that peace to me. I want to be a woman who knows the peace of the Lord, who knows that my God is in control, who knows that all things that concern me are right in the palm of his hand. Worry and fear and anxiety do not have to rule my life. I can be marked with peace because I am in Christ. One more that I'll share with you. It's the mark of eternity. When I was in my 30s and just really starting to get into the word, I would say probably a year into that, it just seemed like a lot of what the Lord began to show me was just this continual conversation about eternity, speaking to me about things of eternal value versus things that are here in this world. You know, the Bible tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of of man. We have a really hard time seeing eternity though. We have our eyes so focused on the world. But the word of God has marked me to see that what happens there in eternal in eternity is so much better than what happens here. So much more important. The mark of eternity, it affects how I spend my money. 
It affects how I spend my time. It determines my purpose, what I do with my hands, how I view what's going on in my world and what's going on in the world around me, how I view my physical life and the day that one day, whenever it will be, that I'm going to not have this physical body anymore, but I'm going to be alive in heaven. I cannot be in the word of God, walking with it every day and in it, and not deal with this issue of eternity. Because God talks about eternity all the time. So if I'm letting the living word of God speak to me, I'm going to probably take on the brand mark of eternity. This word from 2 Corinthians 4, Vanessa quoted it the other night. It has marked me. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are unseen, those are the things that eternal are eternal. These words mark me from Jesus. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on the earth. Those words mark me. Last November, I turned 50. And somewhere in the processing of all of that, I know. Whew, um, somewhere in the processing of all of that, I realized I am now on the backside of my life. I mean, I doubt that I will probably live to be more than 100. I really hope I don't because I realize that eternity is so much better. But I realize I'm on the backside of my life. And, and in that processing and conversation with the Lord about all of that, this is, this is one of the things that he said to me that's really just taken that mark of eternity to a, to a new level for me. He said, Sharon, if you really believe that you're not taking any of this stuff with you when you leave this world, don't you think that now that you're on the backside of your life, that you should be simplifying your stockpile of stuff instead of making it more complicated? Those words mark me. The older I get, the more I ponder this idea of eternity. I wish I had pondered it earlier in my life, but I can't go back. But I know that now it is a distinguishing mark between me and people that walk with their footsteps established in the world. And I've got to be okay with that. My life's going to look different. It's going to look different. And I've got to be okay with that. Because here's the thing. I am 21 years in now of walking in truth. Endeavoring to be a woman whose footsteps are established in the truth. So I should look different, don't you think? I mean, I should look different. There should be so many marks of Jesus on my life. Places where I have chosen, because I've seen how good he is, to bear his brand marks on me. Just like Paul. Sometimes that brings quick blessing. It makes my life just so much better. Sometimes it brings a lot of weight right now. But I don't fix my eyes on right now. I fix my eyes on what's eternal, and I know there's blessings there. I'm storing up treasures there. There are all kinds of marks of Jesus, marks of hope, purity, love, purpose, confidence, sacrifice, self-control, kindness, compassion. I'm sure many of you have marks like this on your life too. You might not have thought of it like that before, but there are places in your life where you have seen things in the character of, your Christ, of Christ, and you've said, that's who I'm going to be. That's who Jesus is, and I want to be like him. I want to invite Elena to come up. Elena's going to share about a brand mark of Christ that she has chosen to bear in her own life. So, Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. I just wanted to take a moment to share a brief testimony about this because um, I came to Christ as a young child, and God had marked me as his daughter, as his child, and I really had a desire, even as a young girl, to be set apart. 
And I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but I came to realize that there was a cost as I went through my life. There is a cost because as we are set apart, we are marked by God, but the enemy also has marked us and targeted us. And just like it says that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, usually a predator looks for the prey that is set apart. And so a couple years ago, the devil tried to take me out for good. And I just want to share a quick testimony about that because in my own personal walk, I'd say that my greatest struggle, we talked about a couple nights ago where the devil will say, did God really say? And my greatest struggle has been in the area of marriage and family and trusting God for that. And I was the kind of girl that people said, oh, you'll be married young. You'll have four kids by the time you're 22. And so I just was like, that's my destiny. But um, 22 came and went. And as the months turned into years, turned into years, turned into tears, and um, I was left feeling like I had this mark on my life of being unloved and unwanted and just unknown, and um, the enemy continued to speak those marks and those lies into my life, and a, a man came along, a guy came along who I thought was going to fill that bucket like we talked about last night, and I thought he's going to be everything, but he left new marks in my life by telling me, you're not enough, you're not intelligent enough, he said, you're not um, athletic enough, you're not beautiful enough, and he told me one time that I was a diamond in the rough, and I thought, oh, maybe that could be a good thing, and then he said, no, it just means that you have potential, but you're not polished, and so I was left, I know, <laughs> when the man that you love tells you that, it's going to leave you with a mark, and thankfully that relationship didn't last, but I was left with a mark of shame, and then depression, and brokenness, and I spent a year trying to beg God, just, you know, feeling like I could just heal myself or read the right books or listen to the right sermons. And I was walking through a depression, as Sharon had also shared, um, that she has been through. And God, in one day, as it was in his word, healed me instantly. In one day, he took me from death to life. Yeah. He took me from tears to laughter. Yeah. He took me from ashes to beauty. And he said, you know what? He reminded me that I am set apart, that I am royalty, that I am chosen, that I am his, that I can stand on that, and that I am beautiful. And all the things that the enemy tried to mark me with, that shame that she was just talking about, he instantly wiped clean. And he shared, he led me to Isaiah 62, which is just beautiful. A passage, verse 2 says, The nations shall, shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, for the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be married, says the next verse. And God just knows the desires of our heart. You know, he cares about the details in our lives. And I just wanted to share also a quick testimony because last year on the third night of a Bible study, just like tonight, um, I came in and on the chairs were these prayer cards that said prayers for your husband, prayers for your children. And the old shame kind of creeped up in me because I'm like, I don't have a husband. I don't have children. I shouldn't even take these cards. But instead, I took them home, I put them in my Bible, and every day, I didn't even have a date, but I started praying for my future husband and my future children. And this year, God sent me an amazing, godly, sexy man, and we are getting married 100 days from today. Awesome. So God took those ashes and made them beauty, and I just thank God for his faithfulness, and thank yeah. you for letting me That's share. That's so yeah. awesome. Wow, I love it.
So, so good. So, so good. So, so good. You know, it's so important that all of us have that identity of Christ on our lives. That we know that we are daughters of the king. That we are royalty. It kind of makes me think of Grandma Purple. You know, maybe you should wear some purple on your wedding day. I don't know, because you are royal. You are royal. But, you know... We can walk in the truths of God's word. And, and we're going to start to just wind all this down. And I really believe the Lord has a challenge for us as women in regard to this. And, and, and a challenge for our relationships to one another. A challenge for us to cheer one another on in these brand marks of Jesus. See, as women, we can sure recognize a brand, can't we? I mean, we can recognize a brand of jeans, a brand of purse, a brand of shoes. We can, you know, have this thought about this neighborhood and, and this area of town or this mark of success versus that. That brand of you fill in the blank, whatever's really important in your life. We know those kinds of marks, and that's what so often in our relationships fills up our conversation and our activity and all of that. But what if we became very intentional about discussing the brand marks of Jesus, calling those out in our friends, you know, the ones that we see and the ones we'd like to see, to say, hey, that would look really good on you. Have you ever thought about that? It would take some of that boldness that we talked about on Monday night because maybe we're not used to those kinds of conversations, but even our conversations can get a new marking. Stephanie Birch is one of our uh, cherished leaders, and she's been leading and writing some Bible study for that team and just doing an amazing job. And she posted something recently I want to read. I just thought it was so good, and I asked her if I could share it, and she said, it's Holy Spirit directed. It's his, not, not mine, but it's so good. She said, I often need a reminder of who I am. As sisters in Christ, we should constantly call out Christ that we see in one another. Because when we don't call to our minds who we are, we're prone to easily slip back into our flesh. This reminder to one another is not for the purpose of puffing ourselves up or vain imaginations. God is in the process of transforming each of us. And biblical community, sisterhood, and friendship is designed to hold up a mirror so you can remember who you are and then go and do the works that your Father has called you to do. Isn't that good? It's so good. See, our Father has designed us for more than some temporary worldly markings that get a hoorah and then three years from now are out of style. Our Father has designed us for more than our flesh. He's designed us for the glory of God to literally be imprinted upon who we are. Now, that's not to say that nothing of this world will mark us. We got to carry a purse, we got to wear shoes, you know, we got to live in a house and do all of these things. But as a Christ follower, if I'm really walking with my footsteps established in truth, well, then the markings of Christ should be more pronounced and more bold and more noticeable than any marking of the world. And they should be more important to me because those are the markings that are eternal. See, God sent himself in the person of Jesus to come to earth and to show us how he really designed us to live. And when we listen to him, the living word, and we observe him, the living word, we meditate on what the living word says, our hearts are going to come alive to the truths that he speaks. And we're going to begin to bear on ourselves. We're going to begin to choose to mark ourselves in Christ. A mark of love that defines us as his beloved. 
a mark of belonging on our self-worth. I mean, we know that we belong to God, that we're His. A mark of boldness in our confidence, in our countenance. A mark of value in our identity. A mark of freedom in our thoughts. Isn't that good? A mark of stability and ability in our work. A mark of service in our hands. Jesus was a servant. A mark of wisdom in our minds. We think according to the mind of Christ. A mark of royalty, like, like Elena just talked about on our self-image. A mark of completeness in our hearts, knowing that Christ in us is enough. A mark of bravery in our challenges. Marks of purity and praise and truth and joy and faith and holiness and eternal purpose and sacrifice and commitment. We can go on and on and on because Christ is so magnificent. We could not take on all of his marks if we did one every day of our lives, but oh, that we might take on some. And he does that. He works that in us as we establish our steps in his word. Right now, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to get up and to gather in some small circles, like five, six people. Maybe with the friends around you, if there's someone around you that you don't know, just grab 